All right, I will say good morning, good morning, good morning. I'll go to Vach. Hopefully everyone had a beautiful Shabbos. So exciting to begin to start the new week, Baruch Hashem, with a brand new parak as well. Begin by thanking all of our sponsors. So thank our Talmud Torah sponsors. Stephen Terry's in for dedicating all the Shimon Drushels this month in honor of their newest grandson, Matan Shmuel Aaron. We hope that in the merit of our Talmud Torah, he will grow. To be an incredible mentor, we thank our week of learning sponsors, Haley and Ari Lichterman, in memory of Haley's mother, Rachel Leah Bas Ruvain Mayer, on the occasion of her yard site. We hope that in the merit of our Talmud Torah, the Neshama have an Aliyah and the family a Nechama. And Tafis, the share this morning is dedicated by my wife and I in honor of the birth of our grandson, Baruch Hashem, on Erev Shabbos. In the, mo- to, in the moments, in the moments, Baruch Hashem, before, before Shabbos, to our children, Shani and Yosef Bizwari, Amir Hashem, Bizocha, to enter into the bris of Avram Avinu Bizmano, and may his parents Bizocha, Lagad, Lala Torah, Ula Chupa, Ula Maisim Tovim. Sorry? Amen, amen, amen. All right, Jabosa, with that, let us, let us begin. So you'll, I apologize if I, uh, I'm a little bit rusty this morning. I'm, uh, my granddaughter is staying with us. I, I thought I was like past this stage in life um, of, of like sharing my bed with two-year-olds. But, uh, but, Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, wonderful, good. Anyway, I'll say, so let's, uh, so let's begin. So I'll say, so we are up to the Mishnah. Brand new parak. We have the Schos Baruch Hashem to begin. The seventh parak of Meseches Sota today. Really interesting ideas. Fascinating concepts, and Amir Hashem, let's begin. So the Mishnah says as follows, The following could be recited in any language. Parsha Sota. So let's go through these one by one. So first of all, take a look. Let's, we're going to jump back and forth a lot between Rashi and, and the Mishnah. So Parsha Sota, Rashi says, So remember again, Parsha Sota in this context does not refer to that which is erased in the water. Right? That parchment obviously is written in Lashna Kodesh, is written in Hebrew. Right? What he says, Parsha Sotit, means the section that the Kohen says to the woman. Right? Remember again, there's a, we spoke about this, there's a, whole, there's a whole recitation, so to speak, that the Kohen makes to the woman. So that could be said in any language. Rashi says, we don't say just because it's written in the Torah in Hebrew does not mean that it has to be recited by the Kohen in Hebrew as well. Fine. So we'll say, so that's number one. So Parashat Sota, the section, the, di- the dialogue between the Kohen and the Isha, ultimately, again, can be said in any language. Next, Vidoi Maiser. Right? Literally, again, confession of Maiser. What's Vidoi Maiser? So if we take a look at Rashi, Rashi says, Vidoi Maiser, Bishana Hashlishis. Remember again, in the Shemitahs, in the, in the agricultural cycle, spans seven years. Different, we, we know working backwards, year number seven is Shemitah, but working backwards in that cycle, different tithes apply different years. So there's a concept in year number three of the seven year agricultural cycle that one has to make, quote unquote, a confession. What's the confession? Look at Rashi, Vidoi Maiser. In year number three, one makes, a, one makes a statement, literally, I have removed the Kodesh from my home. Shumotzi kol masrosov, umevarin mi beso, ben yocha ol 
The idea of procrastination is not something new, right? Procrastination is as old as time itself. So what could happen? A person might be separating tides the entire time. There's only one thing. Where is it? Where, where are they? Like everything else in your life in the garage, right? right? So, say, so it, could, it could very well be that I'm doing my job. In other words, I'm separating out all of my tides, but I just have not gone ahead and dispersed it. Well, comes year number three, you are obligated to make sure that not only are your tithes separated, but they are distributed. And therefore, again, in year number three, you must make the statement, I've gone ahead and, I've gone ahead and, literally, again, distributed all of my tithes. So remember again, what, what is it that I've accumulated? It's possible I have Maeser Rishon, which belongs to the Levi. Maeser Sheni, which I, the owner, could eat. But again, where do I have to eat it? In Yerushalayim, Irak Hodesh. Right, so now again, distribute what you have to distribute. Take it up to Yerushalayim. I'm sorry, Piarti Akodesh, Zem Maiser Shani, the Gam Nesativ Lalevi, Zem Maiser Rishon. So in the Pasik itself, Biarti Akodesh, I've removed the Kodesh. That refers ultimately to Maiser Shani. The Gam Nesativ Lalevi, I've also given it to the Levi, Zem Maiser Rishon, Lager, Layasam, Ula Amana, Zem Maiser Ani. Now when it says I've given the portions to the Ger, to the stranger, Ultimately, again, to the orphan, to the widow, this refers ultimately to my only the portion for the Ani. And the, the Rashi says, second white line in Rashi, by the way, Omro, the Chaloshan. So we'll say, so this idea of Bi'arti HaKodesh Minabais, the statement, the statement that I have gone ahead and distributed all of my maestros, that statement could be made in any language. Any language. It's interesting to note that ultimately, again, why is this process called Vidui Meiser? In general, our association with Vidui is what? Is what? Is confession of something, what? Something negative, right? When I, when I, when I say Vidui, you think? You think? Ashamnu, Bagabnu, Gazalnu, Dibarnadolfi, right? That's Vidui. Vidui, confession, ultimately goes ahead and refers to confessing my sins. Yet here, I want to point out, that, vi, that vidui meiser, right? Over here, the vidui, right? The vidui is not about something bad I've done, but rather what? I'm actually, conf- quote unquote, the confession is that I've done what I'm supposed to do. So if Avram Yitzchak says something so beautiful, he says, as important as it is to confess the things you've done wrong, it's also important, quote unquote, to confess the things you've done right. Now let's say, it is important to remind ourselves of our accomplishments. It's important to remind ourselves of the things that are going well. It's important to remind ourselves of Baruch Hashem, the mitzvahs I've done. Yes, it's important to do vidui, and it's important to clap al and hashamnu, bagadnu, and gazalnu for everything else. But just as important as reminding myself of the things that are bad, broken, and going wrong, is equally as important to reinforce Baruch Hashem, my strengths, the things that I'm doing right, the mitzvahs I have performed. That's our Rav Kuk Pazitz. Ultimately, again, that this is called Vidui Meiser, along the same lines. Rav Kuk, and I don't remember which sefer he writes it in, but Rav Kuk has, for Yamim Naoraim, a beautiful list. If you notice, by the way, that confession, right, Vidui, for the Yamim Naoraim, for Aser Asim for Yom Kippur, 
goes in the order of the Aleph base, Ashamnu Bagandu Gazana Dibanadofi, Rav Kook has a list of, of positive things that also go in the order of the Aleph base as well, that he felt one should say alongside the Ashamnus, Bagannus, and Gazalnus of sinful confession. Just, a, just a, an important insight. And there's this incredible dialectic. Acknowledge, own, try to remedy and rectify the things that are broken and not going well, but make sure you maintain a balanced sense of self. You're not all sin. I'm not all wrong. I'm not all bad. For every Avera, Baruch Hashem, there's also a corresponding mitzvah. The same way we reinforce and acknowledge that which is broken, I have to reinforce and acknowledge that which is going well. That's the Dwemeiser. Beautiful. Kriyashma. Kriyashma can be said in any language. Because we also remember again, Kriyashma in its essence is Kabbalah's Omachu Shamayim. Right? Kriyashma is the acceptance of the yoke of heaven. And therefore again, and therefore again, this needs to be done in a way that a person understands. Any language. Tefillah. Again, we'll discuss what tefillah, the parameters of tefillah per se, but davening could be done in any language. Birkasa mazal, benching, any language, any language. Shvua sa'idus, they will say shvua sa'idus, shvua sa'idus, technically, again, we'll discuss all this more in the Gemara, but shvua sa'idus is, if I go over to someone, let's say I have, I have a particular legal matter, and I know that Ruvain has testimony that could be helpful to me. So I go over to Reuven and say, Reuven, you know you have testimony. Reuven says, no, I don't. There's a concept called Shvua Saidos that a person could be forced to swear that they have no information relevant to this particular legal, legal proceedings. That's Shvua Saidos. Shvua Sapikadon. I will say again, if you deposit something with someone and then claim that item from that individual, he claims... He has no recollection as to what you're talking about. That he could be, he could, he could be, he could be made to take a shvua. That's called shvua sabikadon. So shvua saidus, shvua sabikadon could be administered ultimately again in any language. So we'll say that's the list of items which could be said in any language. and the following ultimately again are only recited in lashna kodesh in Hebrew. We'll say good. I just want to point out you know this already, but of course. What we call Hebrew is very often modern Hebrew, right? Modern Hebrew, of course, is, is very different than Lashna Kodesh. Lashna Kodesh. But again, but we use the word Hebrew just as a, just as a translation. Um, I just recently heard uh, there was an expression that somebody was using in, Israel, in modern Hebrew that, that was actually a statement from the Gemara. All right, it'll come to me. It'll come to me. In any event, it was so great. So, so we'll say, so these are the things that a person can go ahead and say, in, only say in Lashon HaKodesh. Sorry. Mikra Bikurim. So we'll say, Mikra Bikurim is when you bring your Bikurim to the Beis HaMikdosh. So remember, again, there is an entire section. I will say, we all know this section, not because we have had the schos yet to go ahead and bring Bikurim, but why? Because say in the Haggadah. This is the section of Arami Oved Avi. Arami Oved Avi. So if you take a look at Rashi, Rashi says, well, see, Rashi's in the wide lines, two, four, five lines in. Mikrabi Kurim Shai Kore Me Arami Oved Avi Ad Sof Kala Parsha. So remember again, Arami Oved Avi. We'll talk about this. Who's Arami Oved Avi? So again, we'll see in Machlokis who it's referring to. Who it is actually referred to. But that section is called, which essentially that section, and the reason we have it in the Haggadah, is it's a brief snapshot of Jewish history. Jewish history from the beginning, whatever that beginning is, up until the point that I'm bringing these Bikurim and the Beis HaMikdash. So that has to be said in Lashon HaKodesh. Next, Chalitza. Chalitza, the process of Chalitza. 
So again, if you look at Rashi, Rashi says over here, Chalitza, he omeris me'en yivami, v'hu omer lo chafatz lekachta. I will say, remember again, what's Chalitza? She says, the Yavama says, my brother-in-law does not want to marry me. The Yavam says, I don't want to marry her. That process, that, that dialogical exchange needs to take place in Lashon HaKodesh. Okay? Next, Brachas HaKlalas. So I'll say, Brachas HaKlalas refers to when Klavisol entered in Teretz Yisrael, they stood on Har Grizim, right? They passed, they passed through the Yardin, and they stood on Har Grizim and Har Eval, and there, there was a series, we're going to talk about this in depth, there there was a series of curses and blessings that were delivered. Those curses and blessings had to be given in Lashna Kodesh. Next, Berchas Kohanim. Shabbat say Berchas Kohanim is Duchanim. So Duchanim has to be done in Lashna Kodesh. O Berchas Kohen Gadol. And the bracha of the Kohen Gadol. What's the bracha of the Kohen Gadol? Rashi says over here, Biyom HaKippurim. So Berchas Kohanim is Duchnin, is Duchnin. Berchas Kohen Gadol was the bracha of the Kohen Gadol on Yom Kippur. Next, Parashas HaMelech. This refers to the parasha, right to the section that the king would read at Hakel. Hakel took place on the Sukkis following the Shemitah year. There would be a great assembly in the courtyard of the Beis Hamikdash. The king, who had to be of Davidic descent, would go ahead and read a particular parasha. Again, we'll talk about all of this as well. And Allah Chalamai said that had to be read in Lashon Hakodesh. Parashas Egla Rufa. The Bible says, "You know Egla Rufa. Egla Rufa. You find someone who's murdered in between two cities. Right? We measure the closest city to the corpse. The elders of that city come out." Decapitate the calf, wash their hands over the decapitated calf, and they say a parsha, they say a section, Yadenu Our hands did not spill this blood. They both say that section must be read in Lashna Kodesh. Mashuach Nucham Bashashim Dabra Laam. Again, this was incredible. There was a coin, Mashuach Nuchama. This was a coin whose job it was to lead the army out to war. Now the truth is, he didn't actually lead them into battle. What he did was he led them to the bat to the front. To the front. And right before they went out to battle, he delivered like the drasha. The drasha, I will say. And this drasha, this drasha was like the pep talk and also the exclusions from who does not have to go out to battle. So that Mashah Macham was an anointed position. And Lamais, again, his speech has to be given on Lashna Kodesh. Right, good, fine. So I'll say, so now we're going to go through, let, let's, let's, let's go through, let's go through this list. So I'll say, so specifically, what we're going to do now is go through the list of items that must be recited by Lashon HaKodesh and discuss why that is. Here we go. Mikra Bikurim. Kesar. I'll say, what is Mikra Bikurim? So I'll say, the Pasuk says, you shall go ahead and you shall say before Hashem your God, Arami Oved Avi. Vayerim Misayim Vayagra Hashem. Literally, and Aram, I will say, it's, it's not clear how to translate this. Arami Oved Avi could mean, an Aramian tried to destroy my father. In which case, in which case, the reference is to Lavan. Arami Oved Avi could also mean, my father was a wandering Aramian. In which case, it's a reference to Avram Avinu. 
So just pointing out again, that phrase could be interpreted two different ways. So again, here we're not really getting into the substance of Mikra Bikurim. Rather, we're trying to figure out why does Mikra Bikurim have to be said in Lashon HaKodesh? Why, why is that? So the Gemara said, Va'anisa, va'amarta, because the Pasuk says, Va'anisa, literally again, you will answer. Va'amarta, you will say before Hashem, Ulalanu Omer, va'anu halavim. And we'll say then later on it says, va'anu halavim. Right? The Levim will answer. Just like over there, we'll discuss the over there in just a moment. It's done in Lashon HaKodesh. Afkan Lashon HaKodesh. So to over here, so to over here, it is Lashon HaKodesh Azal. So we're going to see that over there is actually a reference to the Brachos and Kalalos by Hagrizim and Har Eval. Right? So just like the Brachos and Hagrizim were in Lashon HaKodesh, so too, so too, Parashas Bikurim has to be done in Lashon HaKodesh. Incredible. So we'll say, so that's number one. Gzera Shava teaches us that Parashas Bikurim in Lashon HaKodesh. Next, Chalitza Kegs. So we'll say, so now we're just trying to figure out the list of items that have to be said by Lashon HaKodesh. How do you know that by Lashon HaKodesh? Next, Chalitza Kegs. V'ansa v'amra. The Pasuk says v'ansa. So we'll say, we're going to see the Kam denominator is whenever you see this word v'ansa or ana, right? Or v'anu. So v'anu sounds like, because again, remember, it's, it's, when you read the Pasuk, it's repetitive. V'ansa v'amra. What, what, what is that adding? V'ansa v'amra. She'll answer and she'll say, U'la'lanu omer v'anu halavim. Ma'la'alan b'lashon ha'kodesh. We'll say, first of all, not in Mishnah. Afkan b'lashon ha'kodesh. Just like the brachas and klalos and ha'grizim and ha'eval. We're said in Lashon HaKodesh. So too, again, by Chalitza, it has to be said by Lashon HaKodesh. Gzeir Shaba. Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Huda says, V'ansa v'amra kacha. The Pasuk says, by, by Chalitza, she will answer and she will, she will say kacha, like this. Achetomer b'lashon hazeh. Until she says it in this Lashon. So Rabbi Huda just has a bit of a different Rasha. And Rabbi Huda's Rasha is really focused on the word kacha. Kacha means like this. How does the recitation for Vidu have to take place? Like this. Like what? What's like this? The way it's written in the Torah B'lashon HaKodesh. Next, Brachos Eklalos Ketzad. So we'll say, now remember, here's what's interesting. So far we learned that Mikra Bikurim and Chalitza from Brachos and Eklalos. So the blessings and curses delivered on Hagrizim and Har-Eval. Just like those were said, Va'anu. Just like it was said in B'lashon HaKodesh. So to any other time you're going to find va'anu or some form of va'anu, va'anu, va'ansa, it's going to be Lashna Kodesh. We'll say, so now the Mishnah is going to describe the dramatic thing that happened that Hagrizim and Ha'ilavos. Listen to how beautiful this is. Ketzad, Kevan Sha'avru Yisrael Sayardin. Once Klad Yisrael crossed over the Jordan, Uba'al Hagrizim and Har'eval. And ultimately again, they come to Agrizim and Har Eva. So we'll say they cross, they cross the Jordan River. Right? We'll say, by the way, we, we know where Klal Yisrael crossed the Jordan River, right? Again, if you, if you take the Jordan Valley Road, I mentioned this before, I take the Jordan Valley Road, right? You drive out of Yushalayim, you get to Road 90, right? It, it ends there. You could go right to Engedi, to Masada, to Eilat, and you can go left, ultimately again up north, Jordan Valley Road. As you're, as you're driving there, you'll see a sign that says, Kas Al Yahud. Right, so Kas Al Yehud, it's most people think it's most famous because they say it's the the baptismal site of uh, Yashka and his disciples. But the truth is, our Masorah is that that's where Cloud Yisrael crossed over the Yarden. We know because Yericho is right behind you. Right, Yericho is literally right behind you. So ultimately, again, so when Cloud Yisrael crossed over the Yarden, Ubal Har Grizim Har Eval, they come to Har Grizim and Har Eval Shomron. 
that are in the Shomron, Shebetzad Shechem, She'eitzah Elonei Moreh. It's on the side of Shechem, right, that is next to Elonei Moreh. Shne'emar, Halohima Be'evra Yardin, Ulahalon Hu Omer, because we'll say the Pasuk says, Halohima Be'evra, they are on Evra Yardin, Ulahalon Hu Omer, Vayavor Avram Be'aretz Ad Mekom Shechem, Ad Elon Moreh. Ma Elon Moreh HaOmer La'alan Shechem, just like Elon Moreh Ba'avram Avinu is the same place as Shechem. Af Elon Moreh HaOmer Kan Shechem. Fine. So I'll say, so they cross over the Jordan. Actually, the truth is, I meant to tomorrow, Mirza Hashem, maybe even today, I'll send you out. So I saw King Rose's beautiful, beautiful map that just traces this. So you can actually see it with your own eyes. Okay, I'll send that later. So the Gemara, so what happens? So i say, so they get to Hagrizim and Har'eval. So what happens? Shisha Shavatim Alulurash Hagrizim, six tribes went up on Hagrizim. Shisha Shavatim Alulurash Har'eval. Six Shavatim went up on Har'eval. Vakohanim Balavim Vaar Omdim Lamata. The Kohanim Balavim and the Ark were all in the middle. So also you have two mountains, a valley, right? A valley in the middle. So you have six tribes on one mountain, six tribes on another mountain. Kohanim, Levim, and the Aron in the middle. So what happened? So the Gemara says, HaKohanim HaKifin Esa Aron. So the Kohanim surrounded the Aron. Ba'alavim Esa Kohanim. Levim surrounded the Kohanim. So beautiful. Chol Yisrael, Mikan Mikan. And all of Klal Yisrael, remember again, is assembled on one of the two mountains. One of the two mountains. Shnei Amar, Bechol Yisrael Uzekina V'Shotrav, V'Shoftav Omdim Mizeh Umizeh Aron. So I say, so what happened? So they would turn their they would turn their heads towards Hagrizim So what would happen? So if you take a look, look at Rashi, who turned their heads? So what say Rashi now is four lines up from the bottom. So it's so beautiful. Hafhu Rashi says, Halavim Pneum Klape Hagrizim. So we'll see, so just to understand what's happening over here, right? Two mountains, Hagrizim, Har-Eval. Six tribes in Hagrizim, six tribes in Har-Eval. We'll discuss who's, who's, who's where. In the middle, Kohanim, Levim, and Ark. You have the Aron in the middle, Kohanim surrounding the Aron, Levim surrounding the Kohanim. Now the Mishnah says, Havchu Pnehem. They went ahead and literally they turned their head they turned their head towards Hagrizim. Who turned? Rashi says, four lines are from the bottom. Havchu halavim pneim klape Hagrizim upaschu bebracha kolarum ayu omrim tchila blash bracha. So let's listen to this. So we're going to see it's the levim who had the speaking part over here. Interesting. The levim are the ones who articulated the blessings and brachas and the klalas, the blessings and the curses. So the Levim would turn their head. We'll see. So now, Havchu means Levim. So Havchu Peneim, Klape Har Eval. So the Levim would go ahead and... Oh, no, I skipped. Havchu Peneim, Havchu Peneim, Klape Har Grizim. So the Levim turned their head, turned their head towards Har Grizim. Upaschu Bracha. And they began with a Bracha. What's the Bracha? Baruch Ha'ish Asher Lo Ya'asa Pesel Masecha. They are beginning with a blessing. Blessed is the person who does not make an idol. Or a graven image, right? Blessed person does do avodah zarah. The elu, the elu, own in amen. And about say everyone answered amen. Now elu, the elu, Rashi says over here shebahar grizim, the shebahar eval. We'll say right. So he says vahadik sev the elu yamdu levarich lo shayah shvatim avarchun mekalan el levim ha'omdim bein shnei arim. So we'll say so just to understand the process, right? Only the levim had a speaking part in this, right? The levim were the ones who said the brachas and the klavos. The way it worked was. The brachos, so to speak, were delivered on Har Grizim, and the klavos, the curses, on Har Eval. So they would go ahead and recite a blessing, 
turn towards Har Grizim, and, and right, the Leviim would say the bracha, V'elu V'elu Onin Amen. Who's Elu V'elu? Who's all the Jews on both mountains? Right, all the Shvatim would answer Amen. Okay, next, Hafru Paneim Klape Har Then the Leviim would turn towards Har Eval, Upasru B'Klala, and then they would say Klala, Arur Ha'ish Ashayas Apesel Masecha. Right, then they would say, Cursed is the person. Cursed is the person who goes ahead and makes a pasal, an idol or a graven image. Va'elu ve'elu onin amen. I will say then everyone, the Jews in Hagrizim and the Jews in Haraival, would both go ahead and would both say amen. At shegomrin brachos eklalos. Until ultimately again they would finish brachos and klalos. So I will say, by the way, it's interesting if you think about it, if you think about it, this is not an efficient way to do this. Right, let's say, right, if, if you're the efficient, right, let's say they brought you in, brought you in your consulting services, right? We need someone to consult. Jews are excellent at consulting, right? Someone to consult on the most efficient way to deliver brachas and klalas. What would you say? What would you say? Right? Come on. Do the brachas, then do the klalas. First of all, again, just from a chiropractic perspective, right? They will say, it's a lot of turning, right? It's a lot of turning, right? So the mice, again, why not do all the brachas and klalas? Why not do all the brachas and then all the klalas? Why? Bracha klala, bracha klala, bracha klala, bracha klala. Because I will say, it reinforces a mindset which every single moment in life is a choice between bracha and klala. What do you choose? We still have this all the time. The only place you're going to find parav in life is in your kitchen. There is no parav in life. In, every, in any given moment, you are either choosing bracha or klala. You're usually choosing tov or ra, tame tahar, kasher treif. At any given moment, you're either going up or you're going down. Life is this constant vacillation. And by the way, by the way and the Musraskil is, no one is ever choosing the same thing all the time. Right? In other words, in one moment I'm choosing bracha, the next moment I'm choosing klada. I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. That's the nature of life. But it's important to understand that in every moment of existence, I'm always making a decision. I'm always making a decision about what kind of person I want to be and what kind of life I want to lead. And that dynamic is captured by the constant back and forth between Hagrizim and Hareval. Incredible you sowed. So we'll say the Gemara goes later. So we'll say then they so So they brought stones. They brought stones. So I will say, so again, we'll, we'll discuss the order of this. Rashi says over here, second to last line on the daf. Rashi says, second to last Rashi, sorry. So I will say, so what they did is, they brought, an altar, they brought stones with them. Now the truth is, we're going to see they actually brought these stones with them from the other side of the Jordan. Right? So they went around and they brought these stones with them. And what happened? They made a mizbeach out of these stones. They made a mizbeach out of these stones. Now I will say, when they finished, which of course is unique, because remember, again, they already had a mishkan. They already had a mishkan, but they were still making a, another altar from these stones. After they used this mizbeach, what did they do? Fascinating. They deconstructed the altar. They took the stones. Visadua besid. They plastered the stones. The kasvu alav as called divrei haTorah b'shivim loshin. And I will say they wrote the entire Torah in seventy languages. I will say last line lamid beis amad aleph. I will say by the way. Just want to, I want to point out to you, just understand something amazing. Right? This is Daf Lamed Beis, right? Lamed Beis is Lev, right? So we're up to Daf Lev in Sota. 
And I just want to point out so far the lessons that we're getting for the lave, right? Number one, say vidui, not just about your averas, but also about your mitzvahs. Lesson number one. Lesson number two, life is a constant decision between hargrizim and harimel. Constant decision between brachas and chazal. So these, these are the lessons, these are the lessons that you have to carry on your lave. We're not finished. The Kasov is the Torah, the Shivim Lashon. We will say they then wrote the Torah ultimately again in 70 languages. Shenemar Be'er Heitev. Now, we'll say, why do you have to write the Torah in 70 languages? We'll discuss that. Shenemar Be'er Heitev. Venatla Savanim. They went ahead and they took the stones. Ubau Velala bin Koman. And then I will say ultimately again, they, they camped out. Vlam Koman, they stayed in their appointed place. And I will say, we're going to see. This appointed place was in a place called Gilgal. It's in a place called Gilgal, right? If Gilgal sounds familiar, that's because the Mishkan was in Gilgal for a certain amount of time. So I will say, so really an overwhelmingly dramatic Mishnah, right? We started with, again, a discussion about what could be said on Lashon HaKodesh versus what could be said ultimately B'chal Lashon. But I will say, it again, it evolved. Fine, I'll tell you right now, you forced me. Why was the Torah written in 70 languages? And I will say, what's, what's, what's the point of it? Again, choose speak, right? What, what do we speak? What do we speak? Two languages, right? Lashon HaKodesh and Yiddish, right? What else? Right? What else? Those are the two ancient languages. So I'll say, so, so again, why does the Torah have to be written in 70 languages? Of course, a Pashup shot is that when the nations of the world come to Eretz Yisrael, they should see that this is a land that is mevusas. This is a land that is built, that is foundationally anchored in Torah. And that no matter which nation comes, they should be able to see that. But Rabbi Lady Yitzhak Mividishev, Sukhusi Yagin Alina, the great side, the Garab, says something so beautiful. I will say, at the moment we entered into Eretz Yisrael, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, of course, knew that one day we were going to be exiled. And he wanted Klal Yisrael to know that even if Chasta Shalom, you no longer reside in your land, never think that Torah itself is anchored to the land. Meaning, don't think that Torah can only be found in Eretz Yisrael. Torah is wherever the Jew is. Torah is wherever we exist. Does Eretz Yisrael have a special hashras hashchina? Does Eretz Yisrael have a special manifestation of divine presence? Of course. And is Torah's Eretz Yisrael different than the Torah of anywhere else in the world? An unequivocal yes. But I will say, a person should never think that Ruchnius could only be found in Eretz Yisrael. Whereas Ruchnius, wherever the Jew is, is where Ruchnius is. That's why HaKadosh Baruch has us write Torah in 70 languages to give us chizik, that wherever we are in the world, we have the ability to access Torah. The Rebbe says one step further, one step further, listen to this. He'll say, you ever wonder why there are certain things in the Torah written in foreign languages? For example, for example, tefillin. How does the Torah, how does the Torah describe tefillin? Totafos. What does the word totafos mean? Right? So, say, so again, it's not a Hebrew word. Rashi says it's a contraction of two foreign words. Tat bekafsi, pas baafriki. Tat means two in kafsi, pas means two in afriki, two foreign languages. Tat and pas, totafos, equals four. Reference the four parishes of Tulin. What? I don't understand. What, what, why? Why? The Rebbe says, because the Torah is just coming to teach you that no matter where you find yourself, Torah is accessible. It's true geographically. It's true emotionally. There is nothing like Eretz Yisrael. There is nothing like Eretz Yisrael. But a Jew should never think that Torah is only accessible in one place. 
wherever we are, we have the ability to bring our Torah with us. Incredible. Incredible. So let's go weiter. So Gimara, top of Lamed Beis, Lamed Beis, 32B. What a, what a day. And it's only Sunday. It's only Sunday. Why is everybody so sleepy today? What's, what's going on over here? What's good? Ari, is it decaf? Is it decaf today? Oh, it's raining? It's raining? Okay. All right. Sorry. All right. So we'll say so fine. Gimara says as follows. Gimara says as follows. Parasha Sota Minala. So we'll say, let's go through the list. Let's go through the list. So remember again, Parasha Sota. So now remember, the, it's actually interesting. The Mishnah explained all of the cases, ultimately again, of things that could only be said in Lashna Kodesh. Now, let's go through the first part of the Mishnah, which are the things that can be recited in any language. So says the Gemara, says, says the Gemara, Parashas Sota, Minalan, Tichsir, both say, Lamed Beis, in the Beis, top line. From where do we know that Parashas Sota can be recited in any language? Tichsir, V'amar HaKohen Le'isha, V'cholosha, and Shu'omer. Because we'll say, the Pasuk says, V'amar, the Kohen will say to the woman, V'amar, which you begin to say something very interesting. Really, it sounds like a paradigm is developing. What's the paradigm? Anytime you see what? Va'anisa va'amarta, right? Va'ana seems to, seems to be that word that says Lashna Kodesh. When you just see va'amar by itself, va'amar by itself sounds like what? Any language. Any language. Bechaloshan Shu Omer, Tanrabaran, Mashmian Osa, Bechaloshan Shishamas. Shabbos say, when it comes to the Sota, we explain to her this process in any language that she could hear. Right? Any language that she could hear. So we explain to her. Explain to her any language. What do we explain to her? Amahi Shosa. We explain to her why she is drinking. Right? Why, what's, what's go, right? why are you here? Why are you here? Obema Hishosa. And how is she going, or as she say, in what she is going to drink? We'll define all this just a moment. Alma Nitmes. Obemahi Nitmes. Right? Through what she is defiled and why she is defiled. Now we'll say again, we'll talk about this. And we'll explain this in just a moment. So Amai Shosa, so let's go through this. Explain to her why she is drinking. Al iske kinui ustira. She's drinking because ultimately, again, she was in violation of a warning and stira seclusion. Obemahi Shosa. And in what does she drink? Bemekida shal an earthenware vessel. Ama nitmes. Ultimately, again, literally, again, why is she defiled? Al iske schok fialdus. Because she made immature decisions. I will say, isn't this fascinating? I would have thought it would have said, Al iske arayos. But it means schok vialdos. So I will say, I want to teach you something incredible. Sin is immature. Sin is immature. I will say, why, why is hate immature? I will say, we know this. What does hate come from? Right? Selfishness. I need this. I need this. Like a child, like a child who says, give me, right? Like a child who says, but Shafali, you've had enough candy. I want more. I want more. Give me, give me, give me, give me. That's childish behavior. Sin, sin, I will say at its core, is immature and childish. It's such a, such a profound, it's immature and childish. I will say, what does it mean to be an adult, right? What does it mean to be an adult? Wow. Astonishingly silent, right? Excellent, say, right? What is, right? What does it mean to, to be an adult means to have the ability to have restraint. That is just an adult and a child. A child will eat the candy until he or she has a stomach ache, right? An adult realizes, I could stop. I could stop, right? I can, I can enjoy, I can enjoy, I can enjoy things that are permitted, 
but I don't have to enjoy and indulge in every single thing. When an adult does not know how to exercise restraint, that's childish behavior. So I say, you know what the coin tells her? The coin doesn't tell her anything about immor- immorality. Schok viados. You acted like a child. You see, you acted like a child. Now, schok itself, itself sometimes is translated as immorality, right? But Lamai says schok means like, like playfulness, yaldus, childishness. So let's say at the end of the day, and by the way, let's say, this is true even if she didn't commit adultery. Right? If she didn't commit adultery, why? What you're, the reason you're here is because you violated the warning. You're alone with this guy. Why? Why? Why, why couldn't you just, everyone will say, no one will say, did you ever have a moment like this? Where after you committed an Avera, I find moments like this, after you committed an Avera, you say to yourself, why? Why? Like, why, why, like, why, why did I, why did I do that? It's like that piece of kudal sometimes you have. Like, why? I did not need to eat that. Right? And I say, like, why? But on, 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 like, on an Avera level, I commit the Avera, and after I do it, like, why? Like, why, why didn't I just stop? Why, why didn't I just exercise restraint? Why did I allow myself to do that? So the coin says, why are you here? Why are you here? Schok v'yaldos. You acted like a child who could not have restraint. Ugbamahi, ugbamahi nitmes. And ultimately, again, how does she become Tmeya? B'shogeg o b'mezid ba'one subaratzon. So what says, it's actually very interesting, it's actually important. Look at Rashi, ugbamahi nitmes. Mashmin also, hilchas hamay mama arim. So we'll say, we teach her the halakos of the bitter waters. Namely what? So we say, So we'll say, we teach her the halakos of the bitter waters to teach her what, ty- what, uh, what type of circumstances are the waters activated. So we'll say, we teach her, we teach her, under what circumstances the waters will work. So we tell her, ultimately again, if let's say only way the waters work, I will say is, if there was a willful commission of adultery. But if she was shogeg, I will say, how was she shogeg? She thought her husband was dead, right? Or she, I don't know, I will say, let's say you have a woman who thinks that, that, that immorality or, or adultery is permitted. Right? If she was shogeg, Ultimately, she doesn't get, she doesn't get, she doesn't get checked by the waters. If she was violated, she doesn't get checked by the waters. So we give her this whole shear on how the waters work. The kolkach lama, laz Ultimately, again, in order not to go ahead and, in order not to go ahead and cast doubt upon the, upon the bitter waters. Because we both say, remember again, if she drinks, but nothing happens to her, so she might think because the waters didn't work. Meanwhile, it could just be because she wasn't deserving of punishment, or her particular, you know, her particular act did not fall under the purview ultimately of Sota. So, in order to never cast dispersions on the water, we, we give a complete explanation as to what's happening. I will say again, just to circle back, but for our purposes, how is that explanation given? How's the explanation given? Ultimately, again, bechaloshen in any in any language. Good. I will say, let's go, let's go weiter. Good. So let's go right there. So the Gemara says as follows. Next, Vidui Meiser. So remember again, the statement that says ultimately again in year number three, where you make the declaration, I have dispensed all of my tithes. So that could be said also in any language. Where do we know this? From the Chsev. 
Pasik says, You shall say before Hashem, I have removed all of the Kodesh, all of, all of the, the Meiser from my home. The Yolith Amira Misot. We're also make a Zer Shava of Amarta from Vidoy Meiser to Amarta of, or to Va'amar of Sota. Just like Va'amar of Sota is in any language, so to the Amarta of Vidoy Meiser is in any language. Why don't you learn out Exer Shava Vamira from Vidui Meiser to Brachas and Klalos Abdulavim? Say just like the Brachos and Klalos Abdulavim were in Hebrew, Lashna Kodesh. So to Vidui Meiser has to be in Lashna Kodesh. Donin Amira Gredasa me Amira Gredasa. The indonin amira gredasa ma'aniya va'amira. So we'll be saying this entire time. I was well say, if we notice, by the way, there's two, there's two constructs. There's an amira construct and a va'anisa va'amarta construct. When making zir shava, it makes more sense to compare amira to amira and not amira to aniya va'amira to amira. So therefore, I will say, it makes more sense to compare vidui maiser, which is amar, to Sota, which is Amar, and therefore Allah Lamaisa, what we learn out from both of them is that Allah Lamaisa, they can be said in any language. Incredible. Tanya, we'll say this is so beautiful. So, so beautiful. Tanya, Rashbi Omer, I do it with my, uh, sorry. Good. Tanya, Rashbi Omer, says, Adam Omer Shvacho Bekal Namuch, Ugnuso Bekal Ram. We'll say ultimately, again, Rashbi says, literally translated, a person should say his praise in a low voice, and gnuso is degradation, the call ram, out loud. Ritzvah sounds like over here what it's saying is that what? Well, let's read it. Shachah b'kolmah, from where do you learn that you should say, you sing your praise, so to speak, in a low voice? Min vidui ha-maiser. Because again, remember, from vidui ha-maiser. Again, we'll see how this is. Look, look at, look at Rashi just a moment. Shvacho lo avarti mi mitzosach avlo shachachti hainu shavach atzmo b'kol namoch midlok sivania. So we'll say. So the fact that Vidoy Meiser just says va'amar, what Rashi is saying is like this: va'amar doesn't only mean doesn't only mean that you should go ahead. You could say it in any language, but va'amar also means that what you say it in a low voice, as opposed to as opposed to va'anisa va'amarta, which means out loud. So therefore, again, a person when saying their own praise should say their own praise ultimately again in a low voice. Now, both say, now where do you get personal praise from Vidui Meiser? Because part of the section of Vidui Meiser that Rashi just quoted is, Hashem, I did not violate your mitzvos and I did not forget anything. So that's personalistic praise. So when one praises themselves, one should say it in a low voice. But ultimately, again, Ugnuso, Ugnuso, which I will say is really a reference over here to Mikra Bikurim, Arami Oved Avi, that should be said out loud. Right? Vidu Gemara says, so I'm sorry. Where do we learn out that you should say your praise in a low voice? Min Vidu Maiser. We learn that from Vidu Maiser. I will say again, like I said before, that phrase, I did not violate your mitzvahs. I did not forget anything. That's said in a low voice. But your, your degradation, so to speak, right? Your negative things in a loud voice. Where do we learn that from? From Mikrabikurim. Mikrabikurim. Right? I'll just tell you just before we go on. 
there is a beautiful, beautiful idea. So I want to say, first of all, just on a basic level, this reinforces what we said before. If you notice from the Gemara, the Gemara still highlights the idea that you're supposed to talk about your positive qualities. Right? Like, like Rav Kook said, Vidoy Meister says, talk about your accomplishments. Just don't, don't just talk about your failures and your wrongs and your averas. Talk about, talk about your accomplishments. But when you talk about your accomplishments in a low voice, when you talk about what you have to work on, right, that you have to work on, that's a loud voice. That's a loud voice. In other words, don't rest, don't rest in your, you want to say it's incredible because if you speak about your accomplishments in a loud voice, then what happens? What happens? I'm good. I'm good. Right? No. No, no. Speak about your accomplishments. Remind yourself that you're great. But that's a low voice. Speak about the stuff that's in a state of disrepair in a loud voice because that's the stuff you have to work on. And that pushes you ultimately towards growth. The vision of Sereba, has a different interpretation. I will say, listen to this. He says, listen to this. He says, Adam, how can you truly tell? How can you truly tell the quality of... Listen, now he reads the Gemara. How can you truly tell the quality of a person? Omer, by how he speaks. By how he speaks. Listen to this. Shvacho, how can you tell that a person is a good person? Bekal namach, if he speaks in a low voice. A person who speaks in a low voice, that's the shavach, that's a good person. But ultimately, a gnuso, how can you tell if a person is not so great? Bekal ram. If he's always shouting, always yelling, always the loudest voice. You could tell, you could tell so much about the quality of a person just simply by how they talk. Isn't that incredible? It's like, again, just, you're looking inside, well, look, how the Rebbe, look how the Rebbe places the punctuations in totally different places. Adam, you want to see the quality of a person? Omer, look at how he talks. Shvacho, if a person is good, bekal namoch, he'll speak with a low voice. Ginuso, he's a negative person, bekal ram, he's always got to be the loudest voice. So this is such an, and we know this, we know this to be true. You can tell so much about a person just by simply how they verbally present, how they talk, not just the decibel level, the words they use, the things they talk about. You can often see the entire character of a person just by dialoguing with them for a few minutes. Incredible. So the Gemara says, the Gemara says, is that true? Is that true? Both say that you could really go ahead and tell that a person is supposed to speak about their gnus. Both say, gnus means like my averus. I'm supposed to speak that in a loud voice. Why did Chazal, why did Chazal institute that ultimately, again, davening should be in silence? So say Shmona Esrei, which is the quintessential part of davening, right? Everything in Tefillah is a little bit of Shmona Esrei. Shmona Esrei is Tefillah Balachash. You're supposed to daven quietly. In fact, you're not allowed to daven Shmona Esrei out loud. Right? Not talking about Chazar Sashas. I'm saying you don't personal Shmona Esrei. So why did Chazal institute that Shmona Esrei should be Balachash? Kedesh lo levayish es ovre avera. It was in order not to embarrass over Aver. And I was say, why? Because part of davening, the whole part of davening, is confession, is vidui, right? Again, I was saying, Shema Koleinu, Ana Hashem, right? There's a supplemental paragraph. Ana Hashem, Chatasi, Avisi, Pashati, Lefanacha, Vasisi, Kach, Vakach. Yes, I, I know it by heart, right? Yeah, right? Vasisi, Kach, Vakach. Right, you know, say, again, there's a whole thing. That's, that's, for me, it's one of the most powerful parts of Tila. We just have the ability to just unload to HaKadosh Baruch I know what I'm doing wrong. I know what's misfiring. I know what's in a state of disrepair. Chazal instituted that in order that you should be able to confess. So you see from here, 
confession is something that should take place quietly. So what do you mean gnusa the Koran? To which the Gemara is supposed to listen to this. Shahare, Shahare, this is incredible. Shahare lochilek ha'kasav makom ben chatas li'ola. The Rebbe say this is incredible. Ultimately, the say, the carbon chatas and the ola are shechted in the same place in the base hamikdash. Right, the Rebbe say, so what's the reason for that? Why? Because the Rebbe say, listen to this. If the chatas was shechted in a different place than other kabbalas, then what? People would automatically know what? Who's bringing the chatas and who's not? And I will say that would be embarrassing. So you see from here, you see from perspective, there's a notion of not broadcasting your sins, but allowing the sinner to really exist beneath the radar. The sinner has to work things out between himself and HaKadosh Baruch Hu, but that should be benachas, that should be quiet. So what do you, so what do you see here what the problem is? So you're saying before, we're saying before that Allah and myself, you should sing your praise, right? Say your praise, bekal namach in a low voice, but ultimately, again, your averus bekal ram in a loud voice. Really? You should say your averus in a loud voice? Shmona Esther was instituted quietly, so you could confess quietly. The chatos is shechted in the same place as the ola, so that no one knows the sinner should not be distinguishable by anyone else. To which one says, you're right, you're right. Ala'ima tsaro. It doesn't mean you should talk about your averus out loud, but Rabose, it means that if you're suffering, Right, Sar, if you're having difficulties in life, you should tell other people about that. Kidisanya, vitame, tame, yikra. I both say this at the Mitsoro. Right? When the person is stricken with saras, tame, tame, yikra. He calls out tame, tame. And I both say, why does the Mitsoro call out tame, tame? So that other people should know about his suffering. Tsarek lahodio, tsaro lerabim. I both say, when you are suffering in life, it is important to let the public know about your suffering. Ultimately, so that others should be able to daven on my behalf. And whenever you suffer a life setback, make it known to the public. So that others can daven for you. By the way, I would tell you that this is one of the interesting tensions we often have in life. When a person is struggling with illness or something else, often... There is a desire for privacy, and I will say, which of course makes absolute sense. But on the other hand, it's so powerful if other people could daven for me, right? So there's often this tension. So you see over here, Chazal say that when you're suffering, let the community know. Let the community know in some way, in some way, right? So that this way, again, you could avail yourself of the tefillos of the rabbin, of the collective, of the communal power of prayer, or the power of collective communal prayer. An incredible idea. See, from both sides, the Gemara is reversing course a little bit. It doesn't mean that you should broadcast your sins, but rather, again, what it means is broadcast your suffering. So this way, other people, the community can know and can dominate. I'll say, what do you do with your sins? What do you do with your sins? What do you do with your sins? That's between you and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Don't broadcast that. And Rose, in fact, you're going to see that the Gemara considers it to be a sense of arrogance to broadcast your sins. Right? To speak about your sins publicly means you're not shamed by it. There's supposed to be a certain sense of shame associated with sin. I have to work this out between myself and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So therefore, again, the Gemara says, going back, your praise, say that softly. Right? Talk about your praise. Talk about your good stuff. Talk about your accomplishments. But talk about that quietly. But your Yahweh's, Yahweh's, even more quietly. That's between you and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But when you are suffering, it is good to make that suffering known to the community so that you can avail yourself of the power of communal prayer. 
gufa. So as the Gemara goes right, Amar Biyochon Shmuel Bishem Yochai, Mipneimat Tiknu Tzvila Balachash. Why did Chazal institute private prayer, quiet prayer? Shalavayshes Ovei Avera. Ultimately, in order not to go ahead and embarrass anyone who violates an avera, shahari lo chilek akos of makom makom minchatas the ola. So we'll say because again, this is the paradigm that in the big hamikdash the chatas was offered in the same place as the ola. Why? So that no one should be able to distinguish between who's bringing the chatas and who's bringing the ola. Right. This way again, the sinner's covet is maintained. Therefore, again, we take that paradigm tefila shmona esrei which is an opportunity for many of us to confess that which is going wrong in life, balachash, quietly, so that no one else should know what's going on with me except myself and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So Yomar says, one second, v'lo, v'ayikadamim. That will say, but one second, the blood application for a chatos is different than the blood application for a, regular, for a different carbon. Dam chatos l'malo, v'dam ola l'mata. The blood, I will say, the blood application for a chatos is done on the upper part of the mizbeach, the blood application, let's say, for an Ola is done on the lower part of the Mizbech. So you see, Achatos is distinguished. No, it's different. Hasam, Kohen, Hudiyada. They both say, for the blood applications, the only person who sees that is the Kohen. We're talking, when we speak about preserving the dignity of, of the sinner, of the person who's bringing the Achatos, that's because that's in public. So everyone can see the Shechita. Everyone can see the Shechita. So the blood application, we're not worried about. Furthermore, I will say, Bahaika, Chatos Nekeva, Ola Zachar, but I'm saying, I'm saying, but again, a chatas is brought from a female animal. An ola is made from a zahar. So I will say that, that is distinguishable. To which the Gemara says, Hasam mechasya ba'alya. It's different, I will say, because with a male sheep or a female sheep, the tail, the tail covers up the reproductive organs. So therefore, again, because the tail covers, so I say, you learn so much in Gemara, right? Whoever knew this, right? So it's good tonight. So I will say, so ultimately, the tail covers everything, so you can't tell. The Gemara says, one second. Teinach, kivsa, that's fine by a sheep. Seira, apparently a goat doesn't have a tail. So by a goat, you can't tell there's seen a male and a female. Isn't that going to embarrass the sinner? So let's listen to this. So we'll say, one second, one second. You got to help yourself out a little bit also. So if you have to bring a chatos and you choose to bring a goat, you choose to bring a goat, and now it's a female goat. Everyone's going to see it's a female goat. They're going to bring a chatos. You brought that on yourself. Bring a sheep. Bring a sheep. The tail covers everything up. No one will know what's going on. In other words, you know what the Gemara is saying is? At some point in life, you have to help yourself. In other words, that at the end of the day, HaKadosh Baruch Hu could only do so much to help you out. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu is trying to preserve your dignity. He's telling you, the chatos is shechted in the same place. He's telling you, you can bring a sheep or you can bring a goat. And if you bring a sheep, it has a tail. No one's going to see that you're bringing a female, which is a chatos. And your friend is bringing a male, which is an ola. So you choose to bring a goat. You choose to bring a goat. That's on you. By the way, I just want to point out, this is so incredibly important. You see, what the Gemara is teaching us, I will say, is the world doesn't revolve around you. In other words, HaKadosh Baruch Hu will go ahead and help you to a certain point. But you can't be accommodated for every single thing that you want. At a certain point in time, you have to rise up to the occasion and fit within the framework. If you don't do that, that's going to say, see, contemporarily in society, right? How is society structured? Everything has to accommodate me. 
Everything has to accommodate me. Whatever I want, whoever I want to be, whatever, whatever it is, everything must accommodate me. And I will say, that is the pinnacle and apex of Gaiva. That, 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 that's the textbook definition of what it means ultimately, again, to be a Baal Gaiva. So what does the Gemara say? The Gemara says something incredible over here. Kishwaku is going to say, I'm going to help you out. I'm going to help you out. Right? Right? Sinner, I'm going to help you out. The Chathos is going to be shechted in the same place as the Ola. Ali, even though you have to bring a female animal, you could bring a sheep. You could bring a sheep. Right? So I'll say, so if, so if this was happening in 2023, what would happen? What would happen? The guy bringing the same, but I want to bring a goat. I want to bring a goat, and I still want my dignity preserved. Right? That's what would happen contemporarily. I want to bring a goat. Don't tell me how. I want to bring a goat, and I still want all the benefits. I want to bring a goat, and I still want... No. No. That's not how it works. Just because you want something doesn't mean that you could have it. I will say life is also all about fitting yourself into the box. The box doesn't always have to be made around you. Right? The system doesn't always have to cater to your whims and wants. It does a lot of times, but sometimes I also have to go ahead and say, okay, because Ron's trying to help me out, I now have to fit myself into that construct. I have to fit myself into that reality. Such an incredible yisod. Oh, it's late. Okay, let's go back there. Anyway, the Gemara says, Gemara says, we'll say, therefore, again, if you choose to bring the goat, if you choose to bring the goat, that's on you. That's on you. I, what about, what about the Gemara says, what about, see, what about, what about, what about the Gemara says, what about say, here's the problem. What about the chatos of Avodah which has to be a goat? Which has to be a goat. What do you do for that? So I will say, so now, that's a goat. There's no tail. Everyone's going to see that I'm bringing a chatos for Avodah Zara. So Michael Neymar, Hasam nichsaf v'nezel, kihecha dinichbarle. I will say, there the difference is, no, there the embarrassment is part of your kapara. Well, say, essentially, idolatry. Idolatry is like a totally different. Idolatry is like a different animal, uh, quite quite literally, right? <laughs> idolatry is a different animal, and therefore, again, part of the chatas for idolatry, ultimately, again, is that embarrassment that comes along with everyone knowing what it is that you have done. So, I both say, we'll have to stop here for today, but I just want to point out, I both say, su- such an incredibly dramatic, dramatic. I'm going to post on the list just all the takeaways. I will say, again, I want to point out, being that it's Daf Lev of Masecha Sota, that Blamid Beis, that means that the lessons we learn here, I will say, are some of the most important lessons we need to carry us each and every day throughout life. These are the lessons we need. Say positive vidui. Acknowledge what you're doing wrong, but at the same time, I will say, go ahead and acknowledge that what, what, what you are doing right. Right? At the end, they always recognize spirituality is not anchored to any one place or any one time. Recognize that so often in life we get ourselves in trouble because we act in foolish ways. We're childish and that we can't exercise restraint. Speak about your praise, but speak about it in a low voice. The deficiencies, that which is broken, go ahead and speak about that in a loud voice so that you know what it is that you have to go ahead and accomplish. And lastly, I will say, recognize so much about us and about others could be, could be shown by how it is that we choose talk, right? Sometimes you could just see how, what, who a person is, what a person is by how they talk. And lastly, I will say, HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants us to be successful. HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants us to be happy. HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't want us to drown in our misdeeds and missteps, but he also needs us to help ourselves. So we'll say, let's stop away for today. Shkayach, everyone. Incredible. Incredible.
All right, Chavron Zoom. Have a great day, everyone.